Hello, and welcome back to our channel. Today, gather round as I delve into the dark underbelly of a chilling crime that sent shockwaves through the community. Allow me to transport you to the enigmatic case of Sophia Losh, a name that became synonymous with the dangers lurking on the open road. In the vast expanse of our world, where the asphalt ribbons weave their way through breathtaking landscapes, lies a tale of innocence shattered and a life tragically cut short. Sophia Losh, a free-spirited traveler with an insatiable wanderlust, embarked on a journey that would ultimately lead her into the clutches of malevolence. It was a fateful day when Sophia, with her thumb extended, sought the solace of a stranger's ride. The allure of adventure and the thrill of new encounters beckoned her to take a leap of faith into the unknown. Little did she know that her decision would thrust her into the heart of a gripping mystery, where the line between trust and treachery blurred beyond recognition. You have arrived in Germany, a country famous for its sausages, pretzels, and beer, of course. Additionally, I would like to extend a warm welcome to Leipzig. Leipzig, the most populous city in the state of Saxony in eastern Germany, is arguably the most interesting and dynamic of all the cities in the region. Many students who are interested in furthering their education are drawn to the city because of its large number of bars, restaurants, and shops, which contribute to the city's population of just under 600,000. Within the bounds of Leipzig, a multitude of different cultures and ways of life coexist. This contributes to Leipzig's great diversity. In fact, it is the city in Germany that is expanding at the quickest rate, and the majority of that expansion over the course of the previous 10 years has been attributed to its internal migration. Sophia Losch was a 28-year-old woman who lived in Leipzig. She was known by the name she was given at birth. In the year 2018, Sophia was a trustworthy and honest student who was working toward earning her master's degree in German studies, which is also referred to as Germanistic. Due to the fact that she was a late addition to the family, Sophia's siblings were a great deal older than she was, and as a result, she possessed a great deal of maturity for someone of her age. After completing her high school education at Max Reggae Gymnasium and earning her diploma in 2010, Sophia was awarded the Abiter, Germany's highest and most distinguished pre-university honor. And while she was still in school, Sophia discovered her voice in politics and developed her own motivation to work against racism. Following her graduation from high school, Sophia relocated to Bamberg to continue her education in German. While she was there, she was elected to serve as a student representative on the university senate, and she even participated in video interviews related to the election. Sophia was a young woman who worked extremely hard. She ran for a seat on the Bamboo City Council in 2014 at which time she advocated for more affordable living circumstances, including lower rents and a variety of other reforms. Friends frequently pondered how Sophia was able to maintain such a balanced existence. 
despite the fact that she had a degree, a university senate role, employment, friends, her boyfriend, and other typical engagements to attend to. She was able to successfully juggle all of these commitments on a regular basis. You, 2015 was the year when Sophia received her bachelor's degree from the University of Bamberg and then moved on to pursue her master's studies at the University of Leipzig. And while she was there, she would frequently see her family back at home and participate in a variety of volunteer activities for charitable organizations. The Kitchen Without Borders was the name given to one of these projects. Where? In the past, Sophia would frequently travel to the island of Lesbos, which is located in Greece, to prepare meals for individuals who were less fortunate, who were typically refugees. A significant number of these refugees were originally from Morocco, and as a result of her many visits, she was able to pick up some fundamentals of the Arabic language. On the 14th of June in 2018, Sophia began making preparations to return to her parents' residence so that she could help celebrate her father's birthday, which was the very next day. It was the midst of summer in Germany and the weather was warm and bright that afternoon. The temperature was approximately 71 degrees Fahrenheit. The trick wasn't a straightforward day to be, but the family home was in Amber, which was approximately 180 miles from her student apartment in Leipzig, and so it wasn't an easy day to be. However, the journey was made easier by the fact that the weather was pleasant. After saying her goodbyes to her roommates, Sophia left her apartment at approximately 4 o'clock to take the Espen train from Leipzig to Schwid, which is located to the west of Leipzig. The trip only took about 10 minutes, and then she walked away to the R. gas station, which took her another 10 minutes to reach. The total time spent traveling was 20 minutes. This service station doesn't really stand out as anything noteworthy. There is a McDonald's there, as well as a car wash and a location to get petrol. Rumor has it that the schnitzel and fries there aren't half terrible either. Another advantage, especially for Sophia, was the large volume of foot traffic that passed through this petrol station on a daily basis. In fact, there was even a parking spot available for a dozen ruck drivers. This was significant to Sophia and she wanted to hitchhike the remaining 160 miles back to her house, so she needed to have a way to get around. Hitchhiking has a reputation for being somewhat risky, which is completely understandable. A crucial step in building trust through randomization is handing up complete control of your physical location to a person who is completely unfamiliar with you. However, hitchhiking in particular has a reputation for being frowned upon. In terms of statistics, it's not nearly as horrible as people make it out to be in their minds. In fact, approximately 99% of all hitchhiking trips are completed without a single incident of any kind. And when we're talking about the most serious kinds of criminal activity, that likelihood is far lower than 1%. Sophia had faith in these various people. 
In fact, she had traveled along this road via hitchhiking several times in the past with her good friend Eva. Sophia was aware of the remote possibility that anything unfavorable may occur, but she believed that the advantages of lowering her expenses, expanding her social circle, and leading a more exciting lifestyle exceeded the possibility that something negative could take place. The game plan was for her to hitchhike from this gas station to a place called Hersbrook. From there, she would take the train for the last 23 miles until her father could pick her up at the railway station. At least, that was the intention behind it all. On the other hand, Sophia was nowhere to be found. Sophia shared with her parents that she anticipated arriving at home somewhere around 11 o'clock at night. However, when the hour passed without any sign of their daughter, Johannes and Liz, her parents, instantly realized that something was wrong. In fact, their concerns had been on the rise ever since about 10 o'clock. Since Sophia had not responded to her mother's text message, in which she had been asked what time she would arrive at the train station, we might assume that she did not know the answer. Johannes got in his car at 1.30 in the morning and headed to the train station to check on Sophia and see whether she had made the final train. Unfortunately, there was no sign of her anywhere to be seen, and if she missed this opportunity, it would have been her last one for the night. It was clear that Sophia's family was anxious and in a great deal of dread about the situation. They had no idea where she could have gone, and they knew that she had hitchhiked in order to get back to her house, but they still didn't know where she was. But to their good fortune, they jumped out to an early lead. At an earlier stage, Sophia had informed several of her family members and close friends about the details of the driver as a precautionary measure. She said in a telegram message that she was currently hitchhiking with Bob, a Moroccan truck driver, from Leipzig to Nuremberg. Bob was transporting goods from Leipzig to Nuremberg. Even as a gift, he handed me a traditional pipe from Morocco. At first, Sophia's attempts to hitch a ride from the Aero gas station were unsuccessful, despite the fact that she had made multiple attempts. Some people flat out refused to take her, while others just couldn't accommodate her because they didn't have enough room in their vehicle. Something of this nature requires both time and perseverance. Bob, however, made the decision to approach Sophia and make the offer of a ride after monitoring the scenario and determining that she wasn't making too much progress. Bob, age 41, was working as a truck driver for a business called Ben Trans in Morocco at the time of their encounter. He and his Blue D 460 truck were on their way back to the United States when they came across Sophia. It was only a coincidence but both of them were going in the same general direction. The two were able to comprehend one another well enough to carry on a basic conversation by using a combination of English, German, and some straightforward body language. After considering all of this, Bob was able to comprehend Sophia's expectations. 
Witnesses have corroborated that they saw Sophia and Bob go towards his truck before catching the southbound vehicle on Autobahn 9. This indicates that Sophia appeared to trust Bob, at least to the extent that she was able to take a ride with him. However, that was the only information Bob's family and friends had regarding his relationship with Sophia. Many questions still remain. Where could I find Sophia? Who exactly is Bob? Is he aware that she has vanished from the scene? Or, what's much more concerning, is he personally involved? The search for Bob's whereabouts started at 6.45 in the morning, with all of these questions raging through their minds as they set out. The next morning, Sophia's parents made a missing person report to the authorities after discovering that their daughter was missing. However, the response that they got was not exactly reassuring. Because she is probably out somewhere getting drunk. The operator replying with your daughter isn't picking up the phone because she isn't responding. Nothing was done by the cops. At 10.45 in the morning, there was yet another call placed to the police department out of pure desperation and anxiety. However, this time, the operator suggested that Sophia's father head down to the local police station in order to file a report on his daughter's disappearance. He complied, but the authorities were still slow to start their investigation despite his cooperation. In fact, there would only be two fines made by police on that day. First, the police in Namburg notified their counterparts in Leipzig. And when the Leipzig officers went to Sophia's flat, they discovered that she was missing. After that, they made an effort to contact Sophia and find out where she was, but they were unable to do so. It seemed as though she had turned off her phone. The anxiety level of Sophia's friends continued to rise, and when they asked the authorities to review all of the security footage from the pedal station, they were told that they could not do so. And this reluctance was an additional motivating factor for her pals to start their own research. They had prepared missing person posters and placed them at many gas stations along the A less than 24 hours after Sophia had been reported missing. Nine was successful in recruiting a total of 50 individuals to assist in their investigation, and they even located their very first unofficial witness. This witness was a Polish truck driver who had seen Sophia getting into a blue truck that bore a Moroccan license plate. The truck that Bob owns can be seen here. Arol was hired by Sophia's friends so that they could share the material from the local surveillance cameras. However, as a result of data protection acts, this could only be investigated by the police. Again, Police officials tried to downplay the seriousness of the issue by encouraging Sophia's pals to calm down and stop acting so crazy. An officer eventually looked at this film the following day, and he was able to verify that Sophia had entered a truck that had a Moroccan license plate. Additionally, it validated a description of Bob, although it indicated that the inquiry would be delayed by an extra two days. Since the authorities were unable to determine which state was responsible for investigating this case, 
They were unable to determine whether it should be the state in which she was last seen or the state in which she disappeared. A Moroccan friend of Sophia's cousin made a phone call to the firm that Bob and his truck worked for on Monday, the 18th of June, three days after Sophia had been reported missing. The person who answered the phone was quite helpful, as he confirmed that the truck was returning to Morocco via the route that it always takes. In addition to that, he guaranteed that he would make every effort to put Bob in touch with Sophia's friend Eva. And at 3 o'clock, earlier on that very same day, Eva was contacted by telephone. That would be Bob. They talked for around 15 minutes, during which time Bob confessed to Eva that he had driven Sophia to her destination. He reported that Sophia appeared to be in good health as she left, but she had in fact exited his truck as planned in laughter and he even promised to give Ev the copy of his identification card. After the phone call was finished, Bob kept his word by sending an additional image that included all of his family members, himself, his wife, and their children. After having that conversation with Bob, Eva was filled with dread. It appeared as if all of her suspicions regarding him were completely unfounded. But look, let's be honest. Even from the very beginning, it appeared as though Bob was the primary suspect, or at the very least, he may know where Sophia went after she vanished as well. In the midst of all of this confusion, Eva had made a significant portion of Bob's information public. Now, as a result of all of this disarray, which seemed unneeded, she was now worried for her safety, and to put it frankly, it was all her fault. On the other hand, Eva should have put more stock in her hunches, for despite the fact that Bob had been successful in convincing her, she was in fact correct. After a relatively unpredictive weekend, the investigation into Sophia's disappearance was ultimately wrapped up on a single day, and the authorities announced their conclusion. It has to do with Saxony. The investigation into Sophia's disappearance was given a boost by the Leipzig police. They reached out to Ben Trans using the information that Sophia's pals had painstakingly gathered on their own initiative after a lot of hard work. A request has been made for the GPS data from the truck to be given over so that it can be examined by the appropriate authorities. And by that very same evening, the information had been handed over to law enforcement. The struck data was passed around, first to the Saxony Police Department, then to the LKA Saxon, which is the State Criminal Investigation Office, then to the Bendel's Criminal Empty Unit, which is the Federal Criminal Police Office, then to Interpol, which is the International Criminal Police Organization, and finally to the North Spam Police Department. After what seemed like an eternity, the Spanish authorities would finally start looking for Bob. And despite the fact that he wasn't necessarily a suspect, he was their greatest opportunity to figure out exactly what had happened to Sophia. However, in an unexpected turn of events, they would locate him without even making an attempt to do so. A fire was reported to have broken out in the countryside surrounding Spain at around 4.30 on the evening of Tuesday, 
June 19. Bob was the owner of the semi-trailer vehicle that was currently engulfed in flames, which included the cab. The Spanish authorities would eventually locate him, at which point they would discover that Bob was only a fictitious nickname. He went by the name Bujma Lamrabad in real life. Bujma stated that the engine of his truck had been damaged and that this was the reason why it had unexpectedly erupted in flames. In any case, the detectives were interested in speaking to Bujma, but the primary reason for their interest was Sophia. However, at this point, also as a result of the truck, they have taken him down to the local police station in order to question him. Bujma repeated the identical tale to the detectives that he had previously told Eva. However, when the man was being questioned by the officers, they could not help but notice the faint blood stains that were on his shirt. As a result, they decided to submit this shirt to a forensic examination out of simple curiosity. However, before the findings had even had the time to be tallied, an unexpected and startling realization had already been reached. A dead body was just found in a ditch adjacent to a highway in the municipality of Asperina, which was located approximately 280 kilometers, 174 miles, to the north of Bujma. A young woman's body was found in the room. The unfortunate truth is that Sophia Losh's body was found here. The search for Sophia ended successfully on June 21, 2018 precisely one week after she had been reported missing. Everyone who knew Sophia was completely and utterly heartbroken. Unfortunately, all of the work that they put into trying to locate Sophia and ensure that she was well spent its time in vain. The GPS data from the vehicle would ultimately establish that Bujma had in fact driven through Aspirina. It would also reveal that the blood that was found on Bujma's clothing was, regrettably, Sophia's blood. Bujma was always planning to kill Sophia, even if she lied to Ev about it. About Bujma, not a lot of information is known. He was born in 1977 and spent his childhood in Morocco with his paternal and maternal grandparents. As a child, he was raised in impoverished conditions and was rarely given any attention, thus he missed out on the chance to get an appropriate education. However, as he matured into manhood, he found work as a painter, an operator of a quarry, and then, ultimately, as a truck driver. While he was out on the road in the late 1990s, he wound up meeting the woman who would become his wife and together they would have four children who, at the time of Sophia's disappearance, were aged 3, 11, 14, and 17 years old, respectively. But even after escaping a troublesome home when he was a child, he would find that the household he created with his wife and children would also have its share of challenges. Bujma described himself as someone with a short fuse and as someone who would easily freak out. But this seemed to be an understatement given the allegations that he had beaten his wife on many occasions. One of the incidents involved him cutting his wife in the chest with a knife, which resulted in the chest wound needing four stitches to close. 
However, what exactly occurred to Sophia is unknown. It would portray a fairly damning picture with the GPS data, CCTV footage, and cell data if they were all put together. The events of the first day of the story take place one day before Sophia's arrival at Aral, while Bujma was at another petrol station in Leipzig. It was reported that while he was there, he took many pictures of two young women who were dressed provocatively as they emerged from the restroom. Not even two hours before I was supposed to meet Sophia. The following day, Bujma was seen taking pictures of, well, let's just say it's best to spare him the embarrassment. He was doing in his truck. At 6, 14 p.m. A surveillance camera caught Bujma and Sophia heading towards his blue pickup shortly after they had met each other for the first time. And by 7.47 o'clock in the evening, the two had arrived in the town of Berg, which is in Upper Franconia. It is seen that Bujma and Sophia are entering the Shell gas station, where they proceed to purchase some coffee. According to Sophia's body language, which can be seen on the surveillance tape, she appears to be in a relaxed state. After traveling for around an hour more, Bujmai eventually pulled over his truck at a deserted and secluded rest spot in Spurbs. There must have been a tragic and an anticipated event that took place here. During that time, the truck did not move at all. After that, the vehicle drove to a shell gas station in Lofhersbrook and stopped there. After that, Bujma went out and purchased many cans of beer, all of which were subsequently discovered by authorities. In addition, the results of the examination indicated that Sophia's DNA was discovered on one of these cans. After that, Bujima decided to spend the night in the parking lot of ABL, an electronics factory based in Lof, which is located just outside of Nuremberg. In addition, in accordance with the plan for his work day, 18 pallets of electrical components were put onto his truck. Before departing at 10.52 in the morning, he got rid of two beer cans as well as Sophia's headphones earlier in the morning. Friends and relatives had already suffered through their first night filled with concern and terror by this point. She was in Bujma's truck without Sophia and the rest of the world was unaware that she was still with Bujma. It seems most likely that she was restrained in the footwell, and if she was conscious at any point, she would unquestionably be experiencing a great deal of terror. The following pickup for Bujma was in Augsburg, which was a four-hour drive for him. Stopped a total of six times, each time at a different rest station. According to CCTV footage that has not been made public, he appeared to be anxious and fidgety, and Sophia could not be seen anywhere in the building. By the time Friday evening rolled around, Bujma had made his way through Germany and into France. The next day, he pulled over an additional six times before finally pulling over at a rest stop at Claude Bonnier, which is located in the south of France. Because driving was prohibited on Sundays, Bujma was forced to spend the entire day at this rest stop. If only the police had given Sophia's case the attention and priority it deserved within the first three days, 
since there is no question that they would have had a good opportunity to find him within this time frame. Even at this late hour, there was a possibility that Sophia had not yet passed away. At 10.59 p.m. On June 17, Bujma was filmed by a surveillance camera as he entered a gas station in France. He fueled his truck with 119 gallons of diesel before purchasing four liters of gasoline, which he had pre-measured into canisters and paid for using a second piece of paperwork. I'm curious as to why. Unfortunately, we do not know the precise time that Sophia went away. Nevertheless, it occurred somewhere around 6 o'clock. Bujma landed in Asperina, which is situated in northern Spain, on the 18th of June. This marked four days and 1,200 kilometers that had passed since Sophia went missing. After that, he disposed of her body by placing it in a ditch and then left the area, only to return later in the day to set fire to it. And as you are already aware, Bujma's blazing truck was the location where he was discovered the very next day. With all of this evidence piling up, it should not come as a surprise that Bujma Lamrabat was officially detained on suspicion of murdering Sophia Losh. Bujma's trial is scheduled to begin precisely one year later, in July of 2019. According to Bujma, at the very least in the beginning, he and Sophia had gotten along quite well and had fantastic discussions. This was true for both of them. But after we arrived in Spurbs, everything shifted in a new direction. While he was cleaning the mirrors on the truck, he peeked through the window and saw Sophia going through his things. She was doing this while he was cleaning the mirrors. This infuriated Booge Maul. And as a form of retaliation, he used a nutwheel wrench to strike her in the head. And in his state of anxiety, he abandoned the truck. The court was able to reach a consensus that there was some kind of physical attack on Spurbs, but they were unable to reach a consensus on his motivation or his method to begin with. They thought that the reason he accepted the ride with Sophia was because he wanted to spend time with her. Therefore, they assumed that this was his motivation for doing so. The confrontation escalated into a physical altercation after she rejected his attempts. But Bujma was adamant in his denial of these allegations, and there was also no evidence to show that any kind of attack had taken place. In addition, there were many obstacles in the way of reaching a consensus regarding the time of Sophia's passing. There was a suggestion in the autopsy report that she passed away in Spurbs. The other story, on the other hand, focused on the can of beer, which was demonstrated to have Sophia's DNA on it. In addition, the purchase of this can of beer wasn't made until the day after the previous one, and Bujma's clothes were still clean for his visit to ABL, which didn't take place until the following day either. This points to the fact that the crime scene had to have occurred at a later point in time. But if there was one thing on which everyone could reach a consensus, it was the fact that Bujma was the one who had actually murdered Sophia Lusher. And on Thursday, September 18, 2019, 
an official verdict of guilty was rendered in the case of Buj Malamabat for her murder. As a result, he was found guilty and given a sentence of life in prison with the opportunity for release every 15 years. Neither of the autopsy reports revealed any evidence to imply that the deceased had been assaulted in any way. According to the verdict, the only charges against Bujma that were upheld were those of murder and serious bodily harm. The court characterized Bujma as an angry and emotionally unstable loner who lacked any friends, was dissatisfied with his life, and had a history of reacting violently. The judge also brought up the fact that he was a man with a lower-than-average intelligence, as evidenced by the fact that he received an IQ score of only 81 on the test. On that particular day, though, the judge was not the only person to throw some significant shade. Bujma did not comment as he received his sentence. He continued by saying that as soon as he is able to live his life as a free man once more, he will never return to his family. When questioned about his children, how did he respond? He shook his head and pointed out that they have a mother. Following Sophia's passing, fans of the extreme right and anti-immigration campaigners began to exploit her name in protests to highlight the irony of her death. This was done since she had a progressive outlook about migrants, which she had before her passing. This went against the wishes of both her family and her friends, and it caused people who knew and loved Sophia a great deal of frustration, which led to them reacting with an equal amount of force in return. A blow would also be dealt to the police department's reputation, and both police states would have to admit that they were somewhat at fault for the fact that they did not treat the disappearance of Sophia as a serious matter from the very beginning and waited too long to launch an in-depth investigation. The tragic reality is that even a small improvement in one of these areas might have been enough to prevent Sophia's passing away. However, in the midst of all of this discussion, it is simple to lose sight of the one thing that is actually significant, and that is Sophia. Sophia Losh was a young woman who put in a lot of effort. She had an exciting life ahead of her and a long list of accomplishments that she wanted to accomplish in the future. She was optimistic, tolerant, and progressive, and she had a progressive outlook on life. She loved life with all of her heart and was open and honest about it. Her network of acquaintances was very extensive. During the course of her journey, she came into contact with a great number of others who shared her outlook, and the majority of these individuals became friends for her. She placed her faith in a great number of people, but sadly, that confidence would eventually be broken. Let us not forget the extraordinary perseverance, strong will, and resolve of Sophia's friends, who, throughout the days of concern and terror, made every single attempt that they could to find their loved one. Let us not forget that. Let us not forget that. They were on their own to tackle this problem. Finding Bujma without the assistance of the police was analogous to looking for a needle in a haystack. But regardless of the circumstances, they would succeed. 
I would like to extend my deepest gratitude once again for the time you have dedicated to pondering our situation today. Hitchhiking, though often seen as a risk-laden endeavor, proved to be an unfortunate choice for Sophia Losh, who possessed immense potential to contribute to the world. Now, let me pose a question to you. What are your thoughts on the practice of hitchhiking? Do you believe in the serendipity it offers, or do you maintain that the potential rewards never outweigh the inherent dangers? We kindly request that you share your ideas in the comment box below. With the conclusion of today's proceedings, I must bid you farewell momentarily. However, I urge you to remain vigilant and watch out for one another. Until we meet again. Goodbye.